You're listening to the Option Alpha Podcast from OptionAlpha.com, where we show you how to make smarter trades, learn how the stock market really works, and generate consistent monthly income. Now, your host and head trader at OptionAlpha.com, Kirk Duplessis. Hey everyone, this is Kirk here again from OptionAlpha.com, working every single week to make this the most popular investing podcast offered online because it's based on one thing and one thing only, and that's helping you guys make smarter trades. So again, thanks so much for tuning in today. And on today's show, we are going to be talking about the end of uncertainty or conceivably the end of uncertainty and what maybe the future might hold for systematic versus asystematic or unsystematic markets, and really how we can manage all of this risk moving forward with probabilities and expectancy. Now, again, if you're listening to this podcast, because we're going to be releasing it during the launch of our new backtesting and trade optimization software we're calling The Toolbox, you can really check that out. Head on, head on over to optionalpha.com slash toolbox. You can see some demos, some different versions, and we're going to be talking about some of the analysis that's come out of that in this podcast here today, especially some of the analysis on implied volatility and, and what that opportunity means for us as traders, whether you're an option buyer or even whether you're an option seller, which I think is something new that we haven't really discussed before. So you definitely want to tune in for that. So let's get right into it here. And I'll, I'll say this first, even, even doing this, as we're now approaching show 100 here on the podcast, which is crazy, and that's going to be coming out next week. When I first like started doing this, meaning the options trading business almost 10 years ago, I really had no clue how important this concept was or, or really the foundational elements of this concept until really the last couple of years. And I say this with all humility because when I got started in doing this, I was doing it because I wanted to make income. I didn't really think about the long, 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 long longevity of it like I do now, right? I mean, that I think that that changes as you get into something. But you know, some people get started in the options trading business and and really just, you know, want to make a quick buck. And they don't really think about how it could be a long-term sustainable business for them or, or an income generating machine for them for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, right? And admittedly, I didn't think about that like, you know, in that regard either initially. But I really have honed it on this concept for a long time. And and it's this concept of of people assuming that there's going to be an end of uncertainty. And so the way that I'll describe it is obviously there's two types of risk in the market. There's systematic risk, which is known as market risk or undiversifiable risk. I know that's a big one. Undiversifiable risk. You can't really diversify your way out of that type of risk. And so that's the risk that really you should be compensated for taking. That that's really what people think. And you know, the market high, you know, perfect market, the efficient market hypothesis, right? And then there's asystematic risk or unsystematic risk, which you can diversify out of. Meaning if you've got all of your eggs in one basket, that's too much risk on that company. You can actually diversify your risk away from one particular security or one particular stock and only then get paid for or accept basically the systematic risk in the market. So the question becomes though, is that people assume, and even today, because today's, you know, we're in a time period right now where the markets have just been going up on everything. I mean, every news story, it doesn't matter, good, bad, and different. The markets just continue to march higher. And so the question becomes, and I get this a lot, and this is why I want to do this podcast, when is the end? Do we have an end of uncertainty where we just have a, a really certain market where the market knows where it's going and, and people know where the markets are going, right? Things are more predictable. And the reality is, is that will never happen. It, it will never happen. We will never have a market situation or a time in our lives where we have absolute or even close to 
absolute certainty about the future direction of anything. And so you look at any topic, any case study you want as mini black swan events or even large systematic events that affect markets. You look at, I just even recently about two, uh, two, three weeks ago, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, EWZ, which is a Brazil ETF, opened up down 15%. This is an ETF of an entire economy and it opened up 15% down on a crash, basically. That's a type of risk and uncertainty that nobody can protect from. You can't protect your, what you can't protect yourself from that type of event. There's nothing you can do about it because you don't know it's coming. Nobody knew that was going to come, right? Now, maybe some people get lucky and they might have traded it that way, but they didn't really know it was going to come. Neither do you, neither do I. And this will always happen because here's the thing. Markets are like little kids. I've realized this more and more the longer I trade in this business. And hopefully I look back on this podcast and I realize later on how right I was long-term, maybe not in the short-term, but in the long-term, right, by saying that we're at a point now where the markets, I think, are insanely high and PE ratios and values are off the charts. And we'll look back on this as saying that was a really dumb time to be a stock investor if you were buying in at those levels. But markets are like little kids. They get away with a lot before the foot basically comes down. And these black swan events that happen in the market, these flash crashes, these housing bubbles, whatever you want to call it, whatever name you want to give them, these black swan events are the ultimate check and balance for markets like this, right? Now, that doesn't mean that markets are always 100% efficient at pricing risk. We know for sure that they are not. Markets run higher than they should, air fingers quotes, or run lower than they should. But when we have situations where we have some cyclicality like this on a long-term basis, markets are going to get kicked back down when these black swan events happen. When things get too crazy, eventually, the foot comes down, right? And these little kids get swashed back into their place. And that's a good thing. That creates an opportunity to price in uncertainty because we don't know when these events are going to happen. And whenever they do, it reprices everything, right? I mean, think about the housing bubble. I mean, when the housing bubble bursts in 2006, 7, 8, I mean, that repriced how people thought about mortgages and how people thought about, you know, mortgage-backed security bonds. And that repriced everything from that one event. And it's going to happen again. It happens all the time in history. It will happen again. And that gives us an opportunity to actually make a lot of trades and, and to trade around this. So I don't think that uncertainty is a bad thing. I think it's a great opportunity. And I think too many people look at it as, thinking, well, you know, maybe if the markets are more certain, then I'll get in, right? Or I just don't know about this or this election or that, you know, whatever GDP number, the Fed's doing whatever. All of this is great. All of this means that we can do a lot better trading because of the perceived expectation of these wild swings. And of course, we're going to have a black swan event. We're going to have big moves in the market, but it's never as bad as people predict on a constant basis, right? One-off events, sure, but people are always, you know, saying that the markets are going to crash every single day and that creates an opportunity for us. So the reality is, is that I think as we get further down the road here too, more computer generated trading is a big concern of people. I know I get, again, tons of emails from people saying, well, how does options trading, how does the edge in options trading still work, right? If all these computer algorithms are trading and all these big investors are using, you know, technology, even like we just released on Option Alpha on our toolbox software, 
That technology is nowhere else in this space right now. And it took two years to build because it's a massive database and a huge algorithm that backtests and optimize trades. But does that mean that the edge is going to be gone because everyone uses it? No, it means it's always going to be changing and evolving. The more computers start actually trading in the market, I believe the more volatility we'll see and the more sideways action we'll see in the market. I think gone are the days or they're coming to an end of these huge long trends in the market, right? These, you know, 10-year bull cycles or three-year bear cycles. I think it's just going to be a lot of volatility up and down and lots of stagnant or flat growth in the markets because you're going to have computer algorithms and learning machines that are already being used right now by some of the biggest firms on the street that are literally going to be competing against each other. And that that's the thing I think that maybe most people don't understand is that they're not just competing against you, but you have computer A who is watching basically computer B and trading against computer B. And they're each learning about each other in the on the fly, milliseconds making these trades. And so they're literally just making more and more and more competition. They're not working together because firm A wants to make money and firm B wants to make money and they're trading off of each other. And so I think this dynamic that we are going to start seeing as more prevalent in the market means more volatility, not less. I think a lot more volatility, maybe more flash crashes up and down, you know, like a flash crash higher and a flash crash down in the same day because you've got so many different automated machines trading. Now, again, all of that is going to reprice the markets. It means that you shouldn't be out of the markets. It means that you should be in the markets, just learning how to do things neutral and risk defined potentially, depending on you know what account size you have and how you can trade. But that all creates opportunity because as those things move around and we get bigger and bigger swings potentially in the market in, let's say, the next five or 10 years, and I'm literally talking like, you know, a decade out from here, right? It may not happen tomorrow or, you know, the next month. I'm saying, but this is the trajectory that people are going on. When that starts to happen, the market will reprice risk. It will reprice this systematic or undiversifiable risk of these computers competing against each other and all these algorithms and all these automated trading systems creating such volatility that you get paid for that, right? That's what happens in a black swan event. That's why you make the most amount of money when implied volatility is high. When people are expecting the worst, that's the best opportunity to make money trading options in any direction, honestly really in any direction, that's the best opportunity. So I know this was kind of a little bit out there maybe today and maybe a little bit different than what you might've expected. But I think just talking about this concept is so, so important right now because you have to know where we're going right with this. And and that's, I think what I wanted to get through today as we, again, kind of lead up to, you know, the closing out of our, our huge launch and promotion for our, our toolbox software and our, you know, systems that we built and also talk about kind of like the future of trading a little bit. I think it's really important that you understand these concepts because it's not a scary thing. I think it's it's different and that, that might be frightening for some people, but it's an opportunity. And I think if you lean into that opportunity, I think you'll find a lot of success. So the second part of this podcast is going to be about how we manage this risk, right? So now we talked about, you know, potentially an insane amount of volatility in the future, right? As more and more computer generated systems come on market, but how do we manage that risk as traders? And I think the reason why I put in the show notes or in the title of this podcast, Airfingers Quotes, risk, how we can manage it is through expectancy. Basically, this reality that 
it cannot be managed 100%. There's no way to avoid it and trade in the markets at the same time. Well, let me back up and say this. The only way to avoid a black swan event is to not be in the markets. But by not being in the markets, meaning you're in cash, you're still playing in the markets because you have inflation, you know, you have the erosion of the dollar or the euro or the Canadian dollar, wherever you are in the world, you're still in the markets. You're still active even if you're sitting on cash. Cash is a position. So you can't run away from any of this stuff. And that's why I think is, is so important. We don't want to run away from it. We want to understand it and figure out how we can trade around it. And I think you can do that with expectancy. And we just did a, a Facebook Live actually just today talking about expectancy models and doing a little whiteboard video on Facebook Live, which you can check out on our Facebook page. But I think the reality is, is that we can't control it. We have to make calculated decisions, right? We have to trade high probability setups and still maintain small position sizes. I truly believe that that is the best way to get around this stuff because that's how the math works out. The math doesn't work when you've got a high probability system and 50% allocation, right? It, it just doesn't work. But when you have a high probability system and you have low allocations, which control automatically for this systematic or undiversifiable risk, these black swan events that might happen here and there, as long as you're not blowing up your account with these huge positions, you can get through this and trade around them. And that's really, really important. So you have to look at these probability, this probability style of, of trading now as basically the only way to do this in the future. I mean, that you can't do it any other way without lots and lots of people and teams and stuff like that to really analyze companies. And, and even at that point, you know, with all these computers trading, who's to say that a company that should be worth a hundred dollars doesn't trade between 50 and 200 and back to 50 in three days because of some, you know, computer systems in the future. And again, I'm talking, you know, five, 10 years from now, that's how it's going to be. I mean, it's going to be lots and lots of volatility. And so I think that you have to trade around that with probabilities and expectancy models. So this is why, you know, we want to talk about obviously the software that we developed and we will continue to update. I think one of the biggest things I've been trying to tell people with this new software is obviously it's a one-time, you know, cost to get in with lifetime updates. And that's really important. It can't even be overshadowed because as we continue to get more market data, it will continue to improve upon itself. And it's this whole concept of, of machine or data-driven learning. So as we get new information, as we start incorporating, you know, new ETFs and new securities that have different movements over time, and, and we're talking the next two, three, four, five, you know, 10 years, it will just continue to evolve and, and get better and better and better and more honed in on these strategies. And that's a really important thing. And that's why I wanted to have this as such an insane value for everyone because I'm going to use this for sure. And it's already changed the way that I think about the markets and my portfolio, as I've talked about in the last, you know, couple of podcasts leading up to, you know, our release of the software, it's really game changing in this industry and nobody has it. And it's because it takes this whole concept of, of data-driven technology and data-driven systems to a completely another level. So hopefully you check it out again, optionalpha.com slash toolbox. So hopefully this was, again, an interesting conversation, at least brought up some, some stuff that maybe, you know, you can think about. Again, the key, key, key point here is that a lot of uncertainty is good. It's good for traders like us who have an opportunity to trade things neutral and can be bullish on something and bearish on something else versus the rest of the world is bullish all the time. They don't know any other position. The only positions they know basically are buy or be in cash. And that's not it, right? There's so many other things that we can do. So I think as you grow and as you learn and develop as a trader, you really should try to hone in on a couple, you know, really important tools that you can use in your toolbox for trading markets neutral, 
trading markets sideways, being bullish and bearish at the same time and having good balance across the board. I think that's really, really important to your eventual success in this business. And now our favorite part of the show, Trader Q&A, where we ask a question from one of our current members about options trading. Got a question you'd like to ask Kirk to answer live on the air? Just head on over to optionalpha.com forward slash ask and hit the record button to leave a message. That's optionalpha.com forward slash ask. And now here's today's question. Kirk, I am currently a member. My name is Bill and I'm from Indiana. I've been trading for about 10 years and learning from Option Alpha. I am thinking about selling a naked put on a company like XOM or Exxon, so I will get stuck the stock. After getting the stock put to me, I was wanting to sell a covered call out of the money, and since I am trading in a Roth IRA account, I can't trade an uncovered call. I am planning on selling a put spread underneath it to protect my overall position. Is there a name for this trade so I can do some more research, and do you see any problems with this trade? Hey, Bill. So thank you so much for the question. And I'm not quite sure I understand the one part in the middle of your question. So I'll take it piece by piece. So I know that you want to do a naked, you know, put or put spread below where a stock is trading. You don't care to get assigned the stock. And, and I totally understand that part of it. The next part is doing the covered call against it. Should you get put the stock, right? So now you're long 100 shares. You want to do a covered call to help reduce cost basis, which I'm all for. I think I don't understand where you said that you wanted to sell a put spread below there to cover it. So I don't think that would probably be a good idea to do that because you're already long stock. It would make you like even more long deltas. So if you wanted to do something where you can't do a naked call right now and you wanted to do a put spread right now, I would just do something like a really wide iron condor. And that would basically effectively get you into a short call option and you can make your call spread side really, really wide so that it acts more like a short call, but it's got protection to appease the brokers. So for example, you would sell a call for $100. You would then buy a call really, really far out from there, five or 10 strikes wide for maybe $3. And it creates a risk-defined position, so it's allowable in your account. But the reality is it's basically a synthetic short call. It's going to act more like a short call because it's got $10 wide strikes than anything else. So I think that that's how you get around it if you're going to do the put spread first and try to do the call around it and kind of you know build out a strategy like this. It's basically just a really wide iron, or iron condor. So hopefully that helps out, but I appreciate your question. I want to get to it because I know that you had submitted this question a while back and, and again, I was a little bit confused on it. So if it doesn't help answer, please let me know. I definitely want to help out. Again, if you guys have any other questions that you want me to get answered live on the podcast or on Facebook and Periscope, please head on over to optionalpha.com slash ask. Click the big red button in the middle of the screen and hit the record button to leave me a private voicemail. Remember, there's no software to download or install and it's incredibly easy. Now, again, before we get in the closing bell segment, I just want to let you know that we are right in the middle of our big launch for our backtesting and trade optimization software we're calling the Trader's Toolbox. You can learn all about it, watch demos, see examples, and download some PDFs of strategies that we've already run at optionalpha.com slash toolbox. Again, that's optionalpha.com slash toolbox. Now, the closing bell. Find out which stocks we're looking at right now, trades we're making, and hear our game plan moving forward. All right, so in today's show, I want to go over a new trade that we're getting into in XLU. And 
something I actually didn't even cover in the first half of the show, but I think it's really important because I forgot to cover it. And so I want to cover it here really quickly before I talk about our XLU trade. And that's this concept that we were talking about earlier of higher volatility equals opportunity. And I want to share with you some of the stats that we basically learned in doing this. And that's basically that as implied volatility gets higher across the board for all strategies that we've looked at, what we found is that higher implied volatility creates a huge opportunity to profit. So let me set this up for you so you understand what I'm talking about. We took all of the different strategy variations that we ran leading up to our profit matrix report, which we're going to be talking about in show number 100, just two episodes away from here. So about 21 million different strategy variations. I mean, you name it, we tested it. It's every little ideuendo and tweak that you can make to a strategy across the board, hundreds of tickers, millions of strategy variations, and we put it all together in a really compact report actually for how much data there is. Part of that report talks about the implied volatility opportunity. So we looked across the board for all the different strategies, buying strategies, selling strategies, everything combined. How much opportunity was present or how did implied volatility affect the annual return, sharp ratios, win rates, et cetera, of all strategies, right? So as a broad-based look, as an overarching picture, did implied volatility give us a better opportunity to make money or not, right? So is it better to trade generally in low volatility or in high volatility? So here's what we found. When looking at option selling strategies, The best implied volatility level was obviously the 75th percentile, and that was 175% higher returns on average than the next level down, which is the 50th. That is crazy that you get 175% more money on average for your returns, not over the course of the testing period, but like one annual return versus the next. It was 175% improvement just for the additional volatility in the market. And this is what I was speaking to earlier, and this is why I wanted to cover this. I know I'm covering it in the closing bell segment, but it's so important because high implied volatility creates opportunity by a long stretch, right? And it beats out everything else, right? That doesn't mean that we can't trade during low volatility. We can still generate positive expected returns, but during high volatility, we've got to be super, super aggressive. And actually we want those. We should welcome those into our portfolio. Now, here's the crazy one, and hopefully you guys are listening to this one because I'm telling you this is one that that got me for sure, is that when we looked at now buying strategies, so first we looked at all selling strategies, straddles, strangles, iron butterflies, iron condors, credit spreads, et cetera, right? Now we switched over and said, okay, what about buying strategies? How did implied volatility affect buying strategies? This was crazy. Implied volatility at the 75th level for buying strategies was a 120% improvement in P&Ls. Now, here's the only asterisk. Most of them still lost. I mean, the vast majority of buying strategies still lost. They just didn't lose as much, okay? So hopefully you guys get that point. Option selling strategies won by far. Option buying strategies had a huge improvement in their P&L when implied volatility was high. And I think this is because, well, I know this is because, because we've really dug into this. I know this is because during those high implied volatility times, you had a better opportunity for the market to randomly swing in your favor. That's all it was. During low implied volatility, if you take a directional trade or an option buying strategy, you had to wait potentially for a long time for the market to swing into 
a favorable or profitable zone. But during high implied volatility, you had a better opportunity of a random swing where you could take money off the table than not. And so that's why I said at the beginning of this episode, and I wish I would have said it earlier, hopefully a lot of people are still listening to this at this point, that high implied volatility creates opportunity across the board. It doesn't mean that option buying strategies now are better. It just means that they do better during high implied volatility, which is something that we maybe have to tweak for how we're trading is think about hedges during high implied volatility is maybe being a little bit better than using some long option strategies during low implied volatility as hedges, right? This is something that we are you know, starting to really look at and analyze for our own portfolio. But again, this whole concept of high implied volatility creates opportunity across the board. So hopefully I wanted to do, again, just like digress for a second here and talk about that before we get into the strategy which we're talking about today. So back to our trade today, which we're making. Again, this is Friday, June 2nd that we're actually recording the show. So I know it's not when it's actually released, but just so you know, and this is like full disclosure, hopefully I'm right in the future when this thing goes live, but we are trading XLU bearish. So XLU is a utilities ETF. It's had a huge run up. I mean, it's basically gone in the last two weeks from around $51 or so up to about 54 and a half. I mean, so actually a pretty big run up and it's all been straight. Here's the crazy part about this. It's now starting to hit some technical levels that might suggest it's going to at least flatten out or turn over. And this is where, unfortunately, I guess recording the show and doing this right now, I I don't know where it's going to be in the future. And I guess this is kind of the cool part about doing this is hopefully it's lower. And if it's higher, you know, I'm wrong on this and you know, you guys can all add comments to the show or whatever the case is, right? But right now it looks like it's reaching a technical level based on our signals that it could stop its rate of of incline. And that's all we're looking for. So I mentioned this a couple of times before in other podcasts as well. When we talk about technical analysis signals, people get it wrong in assuming that a buy or sell signal is a reversal. And it's not. It's just a stop, a stop of the trend or slowdown in the momentum that the stock has. So that's the reason why we're getting into this trade now is that we got these technical analysis signals. Our portfolio can handle a bearish position. We're okay taking a bearish position in something. And we think that, you know, look, at some point XLU might head down and that's all we're looking for, right? I don't care if it heads down tomorrow or five days or 10 days from now, we're looking for it to head down sometime between now and expiration. Now, at the time that we obviously got into this trade, we've got about two months to go because it's... July expiration. So we've got a long time before expiration. We want to give ourselves a lot of opportunity here. And right now the stock is trading at about 5460 or so. And so we're going to go ahead and buy the 55 calls, which are right above where the stock is trading. I'm sorry, 55 puts where the stock is trading and sell the 54 puts, which are just out of the money. So again, the stock's trading about 5460. And so we're going to buy the 55s, sell the 54s, and hopefully we get a move down somewhere below 54 and a half between now and expiration. That's all we're looking for. That's it. We're not looking for anything more or less. We just have to pin something in the sand. And again, the reason that we're doing this is because we've got a lot of short premium positions on. We wanted to do something a little bit directional and our portfolio can handle it. I mean, frankly, we need a bearish position in our portfolio. So we have to go out looking for something that starts to rebalance our portfolio a little bit more, starts to add some some bearish exposure to everything else that we have. So that's why we're doing it. So hopefully it ends up working out again. It's the XLU vertical debit spread, the put debit spread, which is a bearish trade, buying the 55 puts and selling the 54 puts. 
hopefully looking for a move down below 54.5 before July expiration. Thanks for listening to the Option Alpha podcast. If you liked what you heard, please drop by iTunes and leave a rating or comment. Plus, you can get everything. Free email updates for future shows, transcripts, video tutorials, case studies, and more. Just visit our website at optionalpha.com. All right, so I truly hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast and got at least one thing out of it that hopefully you can apply right now or in the future to make you a smarter, more profitable trader and investor. As always, you can get additional resources, some links mentioned in the show, and some related video training from today's show by going to optionalpha.com slash show98. Again, that's just the number 98, optionalpha.com slash show98. Until next time, happy trading.